C'est la vie, right? Yeah, so I saw um, Trading Souls, which was so great. That was with the, the young Spanish guy. Hello, I'm Joshua. And I'm Mary, and welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. We are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll meet guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart. Hello, Mary. Hi, Joshua. It's so great to be back in the studio with you. We're back. I know. We had a couple of weeks off, which was also nice, mm -hmm. but <laughs> but we had a, such a good time uh, talking to all the amazing friend shows. Uh, we had 24 different shows on our show, and uh, it was so fun. Yeah, We were able to have 24 shows here. Amazing. And it also just unearthed how much uh, talent is in this community, and we, and we know that when we talked to Michael... That it was only you know a small portion of how many there were 154 mm -hmm. total shows, mm -hmm. uh, but being out there a little bit, just I just realized how much amazing talent is in this community that we don't even know about. You know that my, maybe are not a part of some of the more well-known arts organizations, and you have um, there's just an incredible artistic community. And thank you for going out and seeing some of the 24 guests that we had here. Yeah, I got to see a few. I, I Part of our break was I went on a cruise and it was wonderful. <laughs> I slept and ate and enjoyed Mexico. But I did see uh, a few of the shows we saw. I saw Trading Souls um, and I saw um, Sloppy Seconds with Central Florida Vocal Arts and I saw Phantasmagoria. The Wickedest Tales, Most Wickedest Tales of All, which yeah. was fantastic. And Thanks Killing, you said? Thanks Killing the Musical. Mm -hmm. And Johnny and his team took home Best Musical of yes, the Fringe, yes, which is so I'm great. so proud of them. Yeah, and what's also neat is that, you know, you and I uh, got to be a part of a, a multicultural arts networking event uh, mm -hmm. this past week. And some of those guys are already starting to come out and be involved in those things. Thank you for that, doing that. You held a meeting with people from various arts groups coming, and everyone got to meet each other and some collaborations. Who will know what will come of that? Well, but it was so neat. Idea. Yeah, because we're doing those mostly because so we can just find points of intersection and collaboration, mostly to help bridge our Hispanic arts community to the greater arts community and mm. find points uh, where we can work together. And um, th there was just some neat things happening. This was our third time we've done this. And mm -hmm. there were some neat things that were happening. I know that um, Terry Olson sent an email, you know, our yes. grand poobah of the arts, um, and saying that with the Fusion Fest that they're working on, the Cultural Fusion Fest, that he already had several things that came out of that meeting that were going to help him to accomplish the Fusion Fest. So I just think that's really cool. And to see someone like Robert Hill, our esteemed artistic director of the Lina Ballet, host us and put and some of our professional and dancers. And he had the dancers dance. It was beautiful. Oh my goodness, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And it was uh, a revival of what they did for the One Love concert um, that the opera produced mm -hmm. uh, right after the Pulse uh, tragedy. So it was just a really cool, cool time. But we're I, coming right up on that anniversary. We are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It. Uh, I cannot believe it's been 
a year already, mm-hmm. almost uh, in one week. And uh, what a special time we had on this show uh, as we talked to Matt Palm and uh, to uh, so many people who were involved Our in, in that. Eric Jacobson mm-hmm. and Nicole Neesmith, Terry Olson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things I said to you once was how grateful I was to have this platform to bring people together that all of you then got together and produced some healing moments for our community. Yeah, you know, that that morning, uh, you know, my phone started ringing at 5 a.m. because the arts community wanted to express and wanted to be able to be able to give back in, in the same way that people were standing in long lines to give blood or passing out waters or or whatever it was, the acts of kindness. And so the the culmination of that was was really 12 days later producing the beautiful together tribute at the Dr. Phillips Center. It was beautiful. But it, it was beautiful, but what it was was really a catalyst, uh, you know, out of every tragedy comes something so beautiful. And you and I have talked about that a lot about these 49 lives have no idea the good that came out of, for the of world. their lives for the, for the world. world literally presidents literally the from world. around the world were and teams of people I mean were I'm sending. seeing and I've told you this too I'm seeing it, so many groups of people now think differently about the LGBT community mm-hmm. um, and it's just it really it radically changed our arts. community yeah well, this one thing this young girl at, at uh, where I work at the parks uh, said her mother said tell her that she shouldn't go get a degree in the arts and or she's actually, she said theater. I'm like, well, why not? I said, what an honor it is to be the catalyst for the change of someone's heart or way of thinking, especially when it makes them a better person. And she totally asked the wrong person. I was going <laughs> to say, she asked the wrong person to do. Well, of course, I said that to you as Miss Inga because she was in character. <laughs> oh, that's there how you I go. said it to her. So I can get away with saying things like that. That's um, funny. But the mom went, thank you. <laughs> I love that though. Well, good for you. You mm-hmm. should stand up for the arts. Like I would expect anything different. Mm-hmm. But uh, really, just some neat things happening in our arts community: continued conversations, collaborations, partnerships, new opportunities in the last year, a couple of years, which we're going to find out more about today. I was just thinking that's a great segue. It to is what a great we're going segue. On now. So Shall let's I meet start? our guest today. Well, Mary, let me tell will you, you please something. introduce? We have this really neat center, listeners, in Orlando that maybe you're going to hear about for the first time, and I hope not. The Blue Bamboo Center for the Arts is part venue, part recording studio, part art gallery. It's located 1905 Kentucky Ave in Winter Park, and it's a unique space. I've been there. It's very comfortable, great sight lines, great acoustics. They record there. There's a gallery space. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it offers jazz, classical, world music, theater, dance, and spoken word. Uh, so today we have the president, and we are so excited to hear a little bit more about this institution that has as its Bible lines, supporting today's artists and educating the artists of tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cortez. Hello, Hi. Chris. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Oh, thanks so, for the invitation. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Why did, what, what, how did you get your start in music, and, and how did that ultimately Lynn, uh, get, to, get you to a place of starting the Center for the Arts? Okay. Uh, well, when I was about uh, nine years old, I got my first guitar. It was a uh, guitar instead of a set of drums. To I think because my mother said, don't you dare bring home a set of drums. But I really wanted a set of I drums. I was wondering if that's what you wanted. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my dad and mom had been uh, divorced, and, and he was really trying to uh, make a point with the birthday gift, you know. Uh, so he wanted to give me something that I would really like, but he was pretty sure that the the drums were a bad idea. So, so I got talked into the guitar 
and uh, and some lessons and a strap and a case and a book and a bunch of other things. But it was really like a cheap little guitar. I remember my first guitars were all named after cigarettes at the time. What I was had yours? A, a Winston, <laughs> and then my next two were Kents. <laughs> yeah, you never had a, never had a camel. Never <laughs> no, had a camel. I, I never ran into a camel guitar, but I but the Winston and Kents. I remember thinking about that, that when I first saw them. And then eventually I got a Yamaha, which was more of a motorcycle company at yes. the time. But they were they were just get branching into. Uh, musical instruments and that was I think my first real guitar but uh everybody else in my family was well my dad was a writer but my mother and my sister were into theater so uh, my mom was a local theater uh aficionado she won all kinds of local theater awards uh, where's local well uh, there was a uh, Orlando okay. she was she was uh, a part of the Orlando Players Little Theater mm. which um she used to teach high school acting classes, and I was in a production of Peter Pan with Delta Burke as Tiger Lily. And, um, you know, it was a summertime thing. The uh, The building where that is is on Montana Street. It's on uh, over there off Mills, and it's uh, now a Buddhist center. But it was a, yeah. a house that had been converted into a small theater. And I grew up doing my homework backstage at the theater, and then I'd be recruited if anybody needed a kid wow. in the show. Cool. And uh, but I was really music was the thing for me, so I got into music right away. Mom encouraged it. Uh, I think Dad thought it was something that might I might grow out of. I think he was sort of hoping that I wouldn't pursue <laughs> the arts. And uh, but um, I, I, you know, it definitely stuck with me, and getting encouraged and it helped. Acoustic guitar. At first, mm -hmm. I found the electric eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, in high school, I got into Jimi Hendrix and Zeppelin and mm -hmm. Beatles and all those things. I went through every guitarist's phase that you might imagine: Chuck Berry and the Stones and all that stuff. And then uh, after high school, I worked around the Orlando scene for a while. I did Disney, and uh, I put a band together after touring with some top forty bands and becoming frustrated. I, I put a band together that was uh, jazz oriented. That was I wanted to play original music, and there really didn't seem to be any opportunity for that. Mm. And uh, so I started a group with uh, with my friend Mark Piszczek, and uh, he uh, is a woodwind player and uh, and also a songwriter. And we just started banging it out in the living room. I mean, there was no place to play, so we'd ask, we'd invite guys over, and we just wanted to hear our music played. We didn't really think about an audience or anything, but. As you work on these things, you know, you get together every week and eventually a, a little book of tunes starts to emerge and the guys kind of get in, hey, let's go, let's go play somewhere, you know, let's get a gig somewhere. But like I said, there really wasn't any place to play, but there was this one little place that was like open to a whatever you guys want to do on a Monday night, no one's coming anyway kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we, we played there and the only person in the audience was somebody from the Sentinel who wrote a little article about it and about the fact that we were playing original music and that it was different. And do you like, remember who it was? Like that. I, I'm sorry, but I do, I do still have the clipping somewhere. Lovely. Uh, and then, um, so that eventually we found our way into a little Wednesday night uh, regular thing and it started to grow and it, it eventually became a, a real band and moved into a venue called Daisy's Basement, which was downtown between Church and Pine on a little walkway called Gertrude's Walk. It mm -hmm. was literally in the basement of a warehouse. Wow. And right along the railroad tracks. Every time the train would go by, the whole building would shake. <laughs> and they had originally opened it up as a dinner theater, and it was failing. And one night, a friend of mine had his jazz band play there, and it was a big party, and they said, ah, jazz sells. And they hired 
us, they hired us as their house band. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know anything about music or entertainment, so they just put me in charge. Wow. And so Mark and I wrote most of the music. A couple of the other guys contributed charts too, and we kind of created this little fusion band scene. And because there wasn't anything else like it, it drew a big crowd, and people came. We had a good partnership with WLOQ, was the radio station at the time. And uh, for a couple of years, we had a really nice run. And then there were a couple of other uh, spin-off bands after that. And uh, eventually a group called Rhythm Method emerged out of that. It was also fairly popular around town. And then, you know, we all split up and went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Were you still studying during the time of your playing and managing? Oh, sure. So you've, I'm still studying today. And I mm-hmm. ask you that because mm-hmm. for our listeners that are out there <laughs> doing what, wanting to do what you did, there's, that, there's, there's importance to that. Talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Well, I, I, I've always considered myself a student of music, and, well, of life, really. And, and, uh, but when it comes to music, it's, there isn't any end to this study. You, 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 know, you pursue perfection, but you're never really going to attain it, and it's overrated anyway. No, but it's Joshua really about here. Getting, uh, getting something uh, that matters to you and just trying to do it as well as you can. Mm-hmm. It's like, like an athlete would or, any, or anybody else. Uh, reaching for something that's just beyond your grasp. I think that's really what I'm always trying to do. I, when, I, when I write a song, sometimes I actually try to challenge myself and write something that I can't quite play. Hmm. And then I'll work on trying to learn how to play that and, some, and expand my vocabulary a little bit through that effort. Anyway, when Daisy's Basement closed, my friend Mark wrote a song called Blue Bamboo. And I always loved the, uh, the liter- alliteration of that. And, and I, when later on it came time to make an album, I was forming my record company for the first time, and I asked Mark if it would be okay if I called it Blue Bamboo Music, and he said, sure. And why did you like the alliteration of that? What is It's just what? something about it appealed to me. It yeah. just sounded pretty, and I thought, oh, Blue Bamboo, that's kind of cute. I, I, I'd, like, I'd like that to be the name of my publishing company. Did the song explain why it was Blue Bamboo instead no, of Green Bamboo? No, the song was or? a response <laughs> to the club closing. He wrote a blues tune because oh, we were sad because the venue sad. is closing. But I think there is a blue bamboo. Yes, there is. Yes, there's yes. a plant called the blue bamboo. When we I, have two. This two is of so them typical of my husband. Of when I venue. told him today who was going to be here, he goes, "Oh, blue bamboo," and then he starts sprouting out what he heard about <laughs> it on some <laughs> nature show that he watched. Huh? That's awesome. Yeah. That's no, totally yes, it's a, we have we have two blue bamboo plants in front of the building. That, oh, that's, that's what's, so cool. That's what's out front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, anyway, I like that, and and over the years, I just kept it as the name of my company, and eventually, I formed a record company and we supported about a dozen artists uh we have about 30 titles in play if you go to bluebamboomusic.com you can see the catalog and uh and then uh we we eventually we moved around the country a lot we were in new orleans for a while then houston and uh after about 35 years believe it or not my wife's corporate job ended. We were in Houston, and we were looking for a new place, something to do for the next chapter. We weren't wow. really sure what it was going to be. Neither one of us was ready to retire yet. And I said, gee, I think if I could do anything, I'd want to go back to Orlando and try to hook up with those musicians that I worked with back in the day. Mm. You know what? This is a great story. It we got to keep, we got to, we got to take a break, but goodness mm-hmm. gracious, I want to hear the ending. And I want to hear more about your music company and how you started sure. that and how you and engaged. Yeah. And how you engaged our new artists and how you produce records and all that fun stuff. So exciting. Mm-hmm. So join us back here on From the Heart Magic 107.7 FM.
welcome back to From the Heart. We're at Magic 107.7 FM. I am Mary Thompson Hunt, here with my talented, has just been on a cruise, co-host <laughs> Joshua Vickery. And today we're talking with president of Blue Bamboo uh, Art Center, uh, Mr. Chris Cortez. Chris, you were telling us that there's nowhere else you would rather be huh. than back in Orlando. So take it from there. Yeah, so we were in Texas and decided to come back to Orlando and try to start some kind of business. I think it was, we were thinking recording studio. And uh, we did no intention of building a venue of any kind. And then I started researching the recording studio market around here. And now a recording studio is going always going to be a component of my life. It's something that I do. I record other artists. I produce music, my own music and other people's. And I have no intention of stopping to do that, whatever else I'm doing. So it was necessary to have a location. But most for most of our career, it's been in our house. And the problem with that is you can't rent it out to anybody because right. you've got strangers in your house. So we wanted a commercial space. We said, if we're going to move to Orlando and start a business there, let's have it be a, not in our house this time. Mm. So we started looking for a space to do a studio. And I thought, well, you know, there are a lot of audio studios here already. What if we took a different approach and we were that place where you would go to shoot your YouTube video? Mm. So in front of a small audience... And with great sight lines, as you mentioned, and good camera angles and good audio recording capability, it would be a big room recording studio instead of all the small compartmentalized mm. studio spaces that you would normally find. And maybe if we were that, we might draw attention away from the other studios that were taking this other approach. And video is really, I mean, it's where it's at. You've, mm -hmm. If you see a band perform, especially a jazz it's so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. So so creating video is something I became fascinated with a few years ago. So I thought, okay. And I started looking for a leasable space along those lines. And I thought a small warehouse, maybe a couple thousand square feet. But I really couldn't find that space. And I also knew that location was going to be important. If you want the arts community in Orlando to show up, you cannot put it over on Orange Blossom Trail. It's got to be somewhere near the Lock Haven Mills 50 Park Avenue area. So that was another big barrier. And we looked for months. We were having a hard time finding the location. And I finally came across this big warehouse on Kentucky Avenue. And they're not on site, but right nearby. There was yep. all kinds of available parking. Right around mm -hmm. the corner. And I said, well, yeah, this might work. And so I talked to the landlord, and he was really hot on the idea. He thought it was really, I thought I was a genius. What <laughs> was in the warehouse before you It was in? just a warehouse. Just a warehouse. But wow. there were many incarnations before that. And the, my favorite is a piano restoration business was there huh. for a while. Oh. And so they would take the old pianos apart and put yeah. them back together. Yeah. yeah. And there was a printer for a while, and uh, a stone cutter was in there for a while, and now he's moved over to uh, Fairbanks right behind us. Anyway, it's a real tight-knit tight neighborhood. Uh, the owner and the neighbors got behind the idea right away, but it took a while to get permits, and then we finally did. This is what we came up with. And Just curious, when you say it took a while to get permits, how, what are we talking, eight a year? Eight Wow. Yeah. Mm. And d during, of course, while you're waiting for that, you're, you're, you know, you're paying rent and you know, just sort of hemorrhaging money. By the time we got to that point, we were already so far into it that there was no way to no turn way to back. Turn mm -hmm. yeah, you could never get your money back unless you But you didn't have any doubts all the way that those forward. permits would come, did you? Oh, yeah. It was constantly in doubt the entire time. And mostly it was about uh, parking. Mm -hmm. But eventually we, you know, we made nice with all the neighbors. We've got nice leases and everything's in place and the city has approved us. And we're, we're, we're happy to be, you know, above radar and right where everybody can find us and 
That's great. And when you, mm-hmm. I think it's something like 75 is the magic number. If it can hold more than 75, it's considered assembly. And then you have well, to have yes. all these and, and you're taking a warehouse, and, which was designed to have five or six people working there during the right. day and turning it into a place where there's going to be more than 100 people assembling. And then there's talk of sprinkler systems and firewalls and all kinds of things that you might not have thought about if you were just a guitar player mm-hmm. coming back home to reunite <laughs> with your pals. Access <laughs> to special needs people. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Handicap access, bathrooms, septic systems because your sewer doesn't run down Kentucky Avenue. So there's all kinds of you know, uh, problems to solve along the way, which seemed, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just was, I, I made it, I'm just too stubborn to quit. Wait, That's yeah. really all it was. And I bet you're glad if, when you look at what you've done, what are some of the things that make you most proud of what you've created? Well, uh, tonight we're having a free event for Everett Spruill, who is a local artist. He's a folk artist. And I think he's the kind of person who, although his work is phenomenal, probably has a hard time getting gallery placements. And uh, my wife is also a folk artist, and she goes through that too. She goes knocking on doors, hey, can you hang my stuff? And they're like, no, we've already got, we're already full. And it doesn't really matter how good you are, it's very tough to find space to hang your art. And so we're, you know, I'm very proud that we're offering Everett a place to put his stuff, and, and it's great. I hope, hope you don't miss He's it. He's one of the best. Uh, I'm really, we've had some, I think, some profound nights of music that would rival anything you would have seen at Carnegie Hall. And uh, I'm very proud that the price is in the $20 range, as opposed to $15 to $20 range, as opposed to the $30 to $70 range. It's very special. It reminds me of places I would go on the lower west side or lower east side in Manhattan that was intimate and casual enough that you could say to a friend, hey, come on up and sing this song with me. But also, we knew the level of talent there was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. We were at a, at somewhere special. People are very respectful of the music there, and it's it's really just because of the way we set it up. The stage is obviously the main focal point in the room. When you walk into the room, you can tell what what our intention is immediately. People don't treat it like a nightclub. They treat it like a concert hall. They mm-hmm. sit down quietly mm-hmm. and listen to the entire show. Mm-hmm. They would never think of yelling out in the middle of the show, unless it's that kind of show. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, just very respectful and reverential almost. And actually, you know, to tell you the truth, after all the nightclubs and restaurants, I've played, noisy places I've played in my life where people weren't paying attention to the music, it's really refreshing that that, that just sort of happened all by itself. We really yeah. didn't have to make it happen. I would we just inc- pointed the chairs at the stage and everybody figured out what to do. <laughs> That's so cool. I would encourage you listeners to go to bluebambooartcenter.com and check out the photo photo gallery. I was just scrolling through it and so many wonderful faces of artists in our community, but also shots of when you first got the mm-hmm. warehouse and the yeah. renovation uh-huh. process uh-huh. and kind of the whole oh, storyline through photos. Yeah. Tell us, what are the types of things you had to do to a warehouse to be able yeah. to, to, get, uh, to be able to get get it ready to be have concerts and you're listening to magic 107.7 FM from the heart. So tell us about that. What are okay. beyond the, beyond the renovations of the bathrooms and all those you fun definitely things, need some magic you need acoustics you know and lighting and sound and all that. <laughs> what did you have to go through to do that? Well, now uh, my idea was to put a room inside a room. So we had a big airplane hangar of a warehouse and the acoustics inside there were not going to be optimum. Although they were really interesting. We did some filming when we first got in there of just some musicians who wanted to help out. And so we would get up in there and put a put a light on them and shine a camera and let somebody play a solo or something. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of shooting like that. And, it, and the acoustics were really interesting at the beginning, but nothing that you could really rely on for a studio or a concert hall. 
So I thought, well, uh, we could put a room inside the room. So we left a, like a 10-foot walkway around the space and created a theater inside the warehouse. So it's a separate room. So when you, co- you come in the main entrance and you walk through the gallery, you come through a set of double doors, and then you're inside a, a virtually soundproof space. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you don't hear the noise from the street. You don't hear the rain. You don't, you know, it, it's quiet in there. And we put a drop, an acoustical drop ceiling in there, and lots of insulation on top of it. So it's it's actually a separate area. You, there's a piano in the in the dressing room, which is across the hall, and people can be in there with the door closed, banging on that piano, and you can't hear it in the theater. So that was sort of the intention that we really wanted to create a studio quality space. It wasn't just uh, the uh, like we couldn't just put up a big box. Uh, made out of drywall and then leave it at that. That's the beauty of having a sound technician and a musician. Right. 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 That's true. Truly. You knew the specifics you were looking for. Yeah. I knew what I needed. And then we put a big curtain on one wall, which, which really, uh, deadens a lot, uh, a lot of the problematic areas that, that remained in the room. And we also scooped the walls out a little bit. So near the stage, the walls are angled outward from the back of the wall, from the back of the stage toward the front. And that projects the sound forward. So when you're standing on stage, even without a microphone, you can just speak in a normal tone of voice and people can hear mm-hmm. you all over the room. I noticed that too. So yes, there, there is full amplification there, but uh, frequently classical musicians don't even don't bother know. to turn anything on. They wow. just come in and sit that's down. That's the, the beauty of having, and you run it because mm-hmm. you were running it the night I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do you think it's important that Blue Bamboo is here, the Blue Bamboo Arts Center? Why? Oh, okay, that's a great question. You know, the theme parks bring all this talent to the area. And they're working, and they're making great money, and they're here, and they're, they're raising their families, and they're living here. But many times, those kinds of jobs, as wonderful as they are, don't offer the same sorts of artistic expression opportunities that you might find in a concert situation. So if you're a songwriter, if you write your own music, you're probably frustrated that all you get to do is play Under the Sea at Disney World. Mm, right. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mm-hmm. but it is, it is if you have your own thing, your own story to tell, your own song to sing, then it's, it's, you need a place to do it. And almost every place that uh, is available commercially to local musicians is too small to make any money at or too large to make any money at. Mm. If uh, you went over to the plaza, for instance, and rented that space, it's a 700-seat venue, so there's a lot of pressure on you to fill every seat. Yeah. And the cost of renting the Not space broke. Is, is, very, is very high, too. So where we're, we're small, so we don't, it's not as high a bar to jump through. So a local band can sell 100 tickets. They can come in and sell the show out. Mm-hmm. They feel great. The place mm-hmm. is packed. Everybody had and a great an time. Experience. And then the other thing that's unique about Bamboo is that uh, because I'm a musician and I've been in this situation many times before, I really am invested in the musician owning the show. So when you come to Bamboo, if you do a ticket split deal with us, you're taking most of the money home as a mm-hmm. musician. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm very proud of the fact we had a quartet in there one night and I paid out like almost $2,000 to the band for them to split up amongst themselves because they delivered that size of an audience. That's great. And I was like, guys, you know, it's your money. That You should have seen the look on their face when, they, when somebody <laughs> was actually handing them the money that they'd earned. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, somebody would have given them five. It's Saturday night. On Saturdays, we pay 800 That's it. And they right. would have sent them off on their way. Yeah. And they would have been happy with that. 
But when I handed them, you know, 1,800, they were, uh, they were, you know, it was like, and I was trying to make this point. This guys, you brought this crowd here. Yeah. I didn't. I couldn't deliver this audience. You did it. You deserve this money. And, hey, we did good, too. We sold money at the bar, and we got a little percentage of those ticket sales. So for us, it was also a good night. Mm. But for that band that created that situation for us, I think it's important that they own it. And there's no other place in town that's taking that approach, and I think that's really important. That's why when I say somebody says uh, there's somebody trying to copy you, I'm like, great. Yes, because it <laughs> means more, more work. Of them. It we means more, them all more over for Central everyone. Florida, yeah. More for mm-hmm. everyone. Well, and I love um, that you saw in here that you're asking people to give tickets so that people that can't maybe mm. afford to see a Community show. Community tickets, Community yeah. tickets, I love that. Yeah, I read about a coffee it. shop that was doing that. I think in College in, Park. In, no, yes. in College Park. Well, it's I think there's another one in Seattle, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure where the idea originated, but somebody was like, uh, they're called, it was called uh, uh, Community uh, Coffee. And, and so the, somebody would come into the coffee shop and they'd buy their own coffee and then they'd say, and I'll, and I'll, I'll buy another one for the community. And then they'd leave, and then some a homeless person or whoever could come in and say, Harry, are, are there any community coffees available? Yeah. And then they'd just give it to him. Yeah. And so I thought, well, this would be cool. Maybe we could do that. So, you know, we also have a, a sponsorship with businesses where you can buy a, a block of tickets, say 10 tickets, mm-hmm. and we'll give them away for you, or you can give them away. Nice. So we'll, we'll uh, call a retirement home or a, uh, a college, one of our college professor friends and say, hey, you got some students that want to come to the show tonight? Send them on down. And they get used? Tickets not only get used, we match them. Oh, wow. So if somebody buys a ticket or buys 10 tickets, that creates 20 tickets right. so people can come to see a show. And you're also spreading so. the word of who you are and what you represent, which is great to our community. Thank sure. you for that. Uh, we have to take a break right now, but we are going to be back in just a few moments. We are at Magic 107.7 FM. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. And thank you, Chris Cortez. Mm. Have it a blast. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and we are so excited that we are talking to Chris Cortez from the Blue Bamboo Art Center. Um, we've been talking about what you're doing, but we want to know what's coming up. What's what? What would be your ideal future for Blue Bamboo Center for the Arts? Well, I think ideally, um, we we want to see as much diversity as we can in there. But we've made our name on quality. Whatever it is you come to see, whether it's a jazz group or a theatrical event or a cabaret, no matter what the style is, we're really avid about having it be as good as it can possibly be. So if we're going to present a classical event, you can bet your bottom dollar it's going to be a virtuoso musician that you're going to see. If you're going to see a a theatrical event, it's going to be something worthy of a review. Uh, that's that's really our philosophy. Uh, or I'm really proud that Downbeat magazine named us one of the best places to hear jazz in the world within 
our first six months of wow. existence. Wow. What was their reasoning for that? What, what were I the think things dwindling point- jazz clubs in the world, probably. Oh, there aren't that many. And we opened one up and they went, oh, what happened? Somebody opened one? <laughs> uh, so, uh, but we're not a jazz club per se, but that, but uh, being recognized by one of those, a prestigious magazine like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, and as a record label, we used to court them like crazy for reviews. So if they'd write a review, it was like, yay, Downbeat wrote the review. So when they just gave this to us unsolicited, it was amazing. Came with a little frameable letter and everything, you know. Yeah, we're one of the 200 places in the world to hear jazz. So, Is a copy of that letter on your website? Oh, no, but it ought to be. Please yeah, do. <laughs> Please be. do. That's, that's bragging rights for sure. sure. So that's, anyway, I'd like to see that trend of quality continue. And that will mean uh, uh, traveling groups that come through, that national acts that you that you might not expect to see. Like we had Mike Stern scheduled before he had his accident. We'll be bringing him back in. We had Dr. Lonnie Smith. We've had Nicholas Payton. We've had some big names in jazz. We'll, we won't continue that. Nice. But the local acts are what it's really all about. My own band, uh, I'm playing tomorrow night with Strange Angels. That's a group I put together with Mark Piszczek, which is very reminiscent of the old Big Bamboo days. We play some of that same material, yeah. and some of the same people are still around in that band. And uh, so that's kind of a trip down memory lane. But we're all better composers now, so the music is better and better played. <laughs> There's so, a lot uh, more life history and experience in yes, that music now, yes, too, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> so it's a, it's a vehicle for us, but it's also it's a community center for the arts. I mean, I want people to come in and say, I've got an idea for a show. I don't know any place else I could do it. This place seems right, and if it makes sense, I'll put it up. Fantastic. Our listeners will be listening to this this Sunday night. Mm-hmm. What do you have next week that our listeners might say, hey, Monday night or oh, whenever? Boy, put me on I've got it actually there. up here. Okay. Oh, good. Here. Well, and, what, and, <laughs> and I'm going to look the, talk about some things that aren't here, but one of the things that you said was diversity, and that was what I was noticing uh-huh. is that you have such a diverse lineup of programming. You, you've spoke a lot about jazz, but listeners, you need to go check out their website because there is uh, film premieres and there's cabarets and there's rock, uh, you know, rock bands, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of word. chilled rock bands, but spoken word and uh, piano concerts. I mean, really anything in the arts uh, you can catch at, at Blue Bamboo. But coming up uh, over hey, the next Hey, if you think week, I've missed something, call me. I, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see, I'd love to see your, your, hear your idea of what's missing. So there's yeah. a film premiere, a lion-hearted film premiere on Tuesday, June 6th, the Dan Jordan Quartet on Thursday, June 8th, the Chris Cortez Trio featuring Mark Claremont and Chuck, Chuck Archard, Archard? Archard yeah. yeah, on mm-hmm. Friday, June 9th, and then Elaine Pechakek. Pikachek. Pichakek. Did I say that right? Pichakasha, oh, Joshua. It's that same word. That's easy for but you with to a say. lineup of amazing people, Mike Card, Andrea Canny, and Oh, yeah, Devroni she's got like a cavalcade of guests. Yeah. She's got like 30 guests joining How her. How is she going to do of one show? It's funny. I was teasing her because she said the name of her program was Simply Me. And I said, Simply? What are you Simply. talking about? Simply the other 29 alter egos. She said, Everybody's just doing one tune. It'll be fine. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. There is a lot of talent there. And so how do we get in touch with you, you know, because I think, again, listeners, if you're working on the, on on that first LP sure. or you've got a group you've put together, mm-hmm. eventually this might be a great place for you to do it, an album opening or to... Oh, great to, for, yeah, CD video release parties, tape, that kind of like you were saying. Sure. How do we get in touch um, with you and what's the process for, for setting up something? Well, you, you can call the center, which is 407-636-9951, or you can go to the website, bluebambooartcenter.com. And uh, the website has all the email links and so yeah, forth. Yeah, it has all the rental me. rates and rental everything. rates mm-hmm. and shut and stuff. So, but we can also record with you 
and do video projects with you as well, right? Yeah, so it's that's like pretty a one-stop exciting. shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've tried to design it in such a way that a group could come in theoretically. And this is now, it's now it's happened a few times. They engage me to do the videography. And at the end of the night, from ticket sales, they pay me and they pay themselves and walk away with the, you know, the footage from, from a, uh, you know, a live event. And um, that is so worth it because <laughs> one, if you have a kick butt show, you're going to get more work from that video. Especially right. when exactly. you make. That's the idea. They're going to have YouTube clips for days because they each do two, everybody does two sets. So they've got two full hours of mm -hmm. four camera angles and, to put and a there's 10 nothing minute multiple like, camera angles, multiple multi-track audio. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty strong. Well, there's yeah. nothing like capturing a live performance. Mm -hmm. There's the one thing about being in the studio but there's another thing about just that live audience. Oh, and I'm proud feeding. to say we're getting it right. I mean, at, the, at first, I, I, I think I was a little uh, rough in learning how to, how, to, how to capture a live show properly every single time. Mm -hmm. But now I've done so many of them that, I mean, if you bring your live set to me, I can put the cameras in exactly the right spot and make sure they're lit pro properly. I can make sure the audio's done right. It, it's a... Uh, it's a really high-quality production now. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but a complete, fully edited DVD of that performance uh, in the space is $300? Is no, that that's a capture fee. That's, that's just capture? for record the recording, recording part of it. Got it. Okay. Post-production would be extra, but it's, it's a but reasonable, still, still a very reasonable rate. Affordable. Some of the groups take the footage away. They'll provide a hard drive and just carry their footage away, mm -hmm. and they'll go home and edit them themselves. Some of them they will engage me to edit and mix for them, and I'll do the post-production work. Sometimes they'll look through the footage and say, well, I want to keep this one and I don't want to keep that one and mm -hmm. only edit mm -hmm. or mix these tunes and not these. Mm -hmm. And so they can reduce the post-production cost that way if they want to. They don't have to edit a full two hours. Sometimes it's a, it's a, like a, a sentimental event and they want to document it for just for historical reasons. They don't really want to necessarily sell it as a DVD. Uh, we had a, a, a gentleman who is uh, he's, he's a brilliant violinist and he, uh, and he, we, you know, but he's getting on in years. And I think we wanted to capture it just for posterity. Mm, mm -hmm. And uh, this, this happens from time to time. So, so you're listening to magic 107.7 FM and we're talking to Chris Cortez, the founder and president extraordinaire of the blue bamboo mm -hmm. center for the arts. And, you know, Chris, it's, first of all, it's been a pleasure talking oh, to you and thanks. hearing this story, you but you, you really have such an illustrious background of being able to do so many things in the arts from mm. performing to writing and arranging to recording to now running your own art center. What advice would you give to those that are listening, that are looking mm. to have some type of career in the arts? And, well, and what advice would you say? Cause we're going to, we know you're going to say, don't give up, but what no, would be no, I'm not going to say that. You're not going to say, okay, if it doesn't good. fit, give up, <laughs> try something else. That's fine. But, 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 okay, good. <laughs> well, I was going to, do you know, uh, the artist Ruben Blades, I he's a wonderful, uh, vocalist and actor and songwriter. And he is, uh, he ran for president of Panama. He has three international law degrees He's a brilliant, brilliant man, and you've seen him in many films. If I, I pointed out say, a couple of films, name. Name fantastic artist. And he was once asked that question too: How do you do all these things that you do? And he says, "Well, as humans, we we have so much potential. We can do everything. We can do all mm. kinds of things." And so, uh, my mother taught me to be an entrepreneur, and I've always been an entrepreneur. When when our band didn't have a singer, I learned how to sing. We didn't have a sound man. I learned how to run the board. We didn't have a booking agent. I went out and booked the gigs. It's always been like that with me. I started a record company. It was basically because I didn't have a record deal. 
and I've opened up my own venue, and you might say it's because I didn't have a place to play. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, is, it is all about that for me. When I see a need, I, you know, I, I instantly try to think, oh, well, how can I address that need? And uh, if it's within my power to do so, and at the same time, marry that goal to helping someone else along their journey, then there's this win-win-win situation. There's a new thing. You know what's great about bamboo is that, you know, it starts out as hopefully going to be an income stream for me someday. Right now it's not <laughs> profitable yet. It's a it's an outcome stream, I guess mm. you'd say. Uh, but uh, but at, whether it is for me or not, right now it, it is an industry that uh, is supporting dozens of musicians every yeah. month. There's yeah. 30 or 40 musicians this month who are going to go and pay for their kids dance lessons or make their car payment or whatever mm-hmm. because a little piece of the money they got from blue bamboo made that happen for them and they had a great time they played a show that was memorable they went home on cloud nine when so it was did over their audiences you know yeah. and and uh, i mean every musician that leaves wants to come back and play another show so we're we're really i'm really thrilled about that that it creates an opportunity it's an it's its own little economy and if we can keep that alive, that it really will help a lot of other people. Well, that's why we're here, and oh, it's our guests like you that are keeping it alive. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, and why it, why do you think the arts are important in this community to keep alive? Well, they're important in every community to keep alive. But I, I had a, actually a, a kid ask me recently, as part of a college assignment, uh, it was a, his question was all about if we were going to build a performing arts center, where would we put it, and how much. Uh, you know, what, what would be the per- perfect community to put it in? And I said, well, any community, because every community needs it. You couldn't have too many performing arts centers. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, so the question is, if, is the question, where can you make the most money with a performing arts center? That's one answer. If the question is, who needs a performing arts center the most? That's a different answer. So I think in Orlando, you have a lot of artists, and apparently a lot of them are frustrated that they don't have a venue. Mm-hmm. So now, now they do. Now they now have they one, they have and one maybe more. some someone else will take the hint. One more. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, there's a wonderfully diverse group of people listening to the show. Mm-hmm. What are what are some shows that you still want to have at the Bamboo Center, Bamboo Center, Blue Bamboo Center mm-hmm. for the Arts that you haven't already had? Oh boy, um, maybe gee. a genre of music. Uh, well, I really or... want to do a play. I want to mm-hmm. do a straight play and also a musical. But uh, those those two things are are really important to me. Uh, because my mother was so involved in community theater growing up, and I, I want to extend that, I, and I think the room is perfect for it. It's it we've, is. we've set it up with wings and mm. proper lighting, so we can actually do a, a, a play and do it justice. And it's taken me a long time to get the room into that uh, condition because we had to do everything little by little, but now it's there. So I'd like to see that happen. We need to reach out to some of our friends who did friend shows that did mm-hmm. straight plays. Oh, yeah. We, we'd be a good home we for can a fully formed for... friend show looking for a I sure stage. have an idea yeah. for you that I'll run by you later. Uh, okay. A night of Mary Thompson Hunt. I mean, come on. You can't get any better than that. <laughs> well, no, the improvised, the improvised yeah. talk show. Absolutely. The community thing. It's a community more version, but we'll, we'll run it by you. That's okay. how this one and I got to know each other even more. Oh, yeah, right. it's a beautiful it's a beautiful way to honor people, but to facilitate conversation in a, in a really cool way. Sounds so, good. And that sounds like it would be a, a perfect venue for mm-hmm. it. So Blue, ba- Blue Bamboo, I, I want to make sure I keep getting that mm-hmm. right. Blue Bamboo Center for the Arts. You can check out more about them on bluebamboosartcenter.com. And Chris, it has been a pleasure oh, talking thank you. to you. Chris Cortez, he's the president 
and the founder of this wonderful art center. And thank if, you for if, bringing this to our community. Absolutely. And if listeners, if you go to Blue Bamboo, ask for Chris and tell him that you listen to him here. And that's why you're there, because I'm sure he would love to say thank you. I would. Thank Chris, you. thanks for joining us. And Mary, uh, always a blast, my always. friend. There's lots of fun things happening in our arts community. It, school is out officially. Yay for teachers and for students. I don't know about parents, but... <laughs> oh, never for parents. <laughs> so never. the summer camp season is in, and there are so many cool summer camps on Orlando at play.com to get your kids involved in the arts. I know the Orlando Repertory Theater has over 80 camps. Uh, we have uh, 20 camps that we're doing. So tons of listings of camps on Orlando at, play at do- uh, Orlando at play.com. Also, we have the uh, anniversary of... Of Pulse coming up, there will be a lot of, uh, there will be some readings Absolutely. and concerts. So take a look and see what you can do to come out and support. Um, unfortunately, I can't announce come uh, alumni from this improv group I worked with many years ago mm. at uh, the Parliament House, because that's tonight. You're trying to be very careful <laughs> yes. about how you say it, what you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but go check out OrlandoAtPlay.com. Lots of neat things happen in our community. And go out and support the arts. It's important. And thank you for listening to us and continue to support all the great things that are happening. Mary, it's a pleasure as always. Always, Joshua. See you next week. Join us next week. Magic 107.7 FM from the heart.